I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Tag Tuesday to you. It's actually the first time I think we've ever done a pod recording in the morning. <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to go. I'm not sure either. I it's. I literally am like, I've been awake for a long time because I got up. <laughs> I couldn't go back to sleep. It was so annoying. I hate that. I literally had to get up at 5.15 and at 4.30 I woke up. Oh, you could have had that extra 45 minutes. I know. I'm so bummed. It's... I'm like, oh. So I had just cracked open a Diet Coke, oh. one, the first one of the morning, but it won't be the last. <laughs> when you can't sleep, just... Do a podcast. <laughs> when you can't sleep, do a podcast. We're actually going to go back to our real jobs after this, but we kind of are doing this a little. We've already done one recording this week, mm-hmm. but we're going to put that on the back burner because we are coming up on a pretty significant day. And we started talking about it because we were watching, well, you suggested I watch something. And well, I think by the time this airs, it will have already been September 11th. This is going to be the Tuesday after September 11th. That's right. And uh, for those of you who are glued to your magic television box, as I am, you've <laughs> noticed that there's a great influx of uh, 9-11 memorial, either documentaries or... Uh, there's been some actual movies that have come out. And, and so I've watched a few of them. Denise and I have talked about it. And I told her, oh, you got to watch this. Or go watch that. Tell me what you think. You know, stuff like that. Um, so we decided to do a, a 9-11 special, I guess. It's our regular tag, Tuesday. But we wanted to just talk a little bit about the events of September 11th and where we are 20 years later. Yeah. When we started talking about watching... Well, first of all, she said, hey, have you watched that Netflix show called Worth? And I didn't know what it was about. And I said, no, I'd never watched it. And it is. And we'll we'll talk about that. That's what the catalyst for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but every September. Well, first of all, my anniversary is September 10th. Oh, what a bummer. Well, you know, I mean, mean, it wasn't a bummer at the time. No. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, luckily, it wasn't the 11th right luckily it's the day before Mm -hmm. but in anticipation of my anniversary 9-11 anniversary is always in the back of my mind sure do you remember where you were during 9-11 oh I absolutely do and I don't um you know a lot of people have amazing stories of where they were and what happened I was a reporter at the time I was a news anchor Mm -hmm. with PBS SoCal on uh, Real Orange which was a show that was in it probably in its heyday at, on September 11th but we uh, it was a day off it was a Tuesday and we only recorded Monday Wednesdays and Fridays and so I got up I had a little baby Cameron was 18 months old and um, my husband um, called he was in Santa Clarita and he called and said hey so there's something going on turn the TV on something has happened in New York City and that was the first I heard of it. Yep. And I turned the TV on and we were trying to make sense over the phone of, of what was happening. And I knew then I had to find a babysitter because I was going to have to get into work because this was catastrophic, whatever it was. Yeah. Do it, you I, do you have a recollection of what you were doing? Yeah, nothing spectacular, but probably like probably almost every American, you we got phone calls from other people because at the time my kids were little. Yeah. And I was thinking you know, I got to get him to school. Mm-hmm. Mitchell was in fifth grade. 
Oh, so you took them to school regardless? Well, I mean, well, at that point. We were, we were all getting ready for school and somebody called. And I remember my computer was close by. And so I was trying to like figure out on the computer and then turned on the television. And, you know, again, nobody knew at the time what exactly was going on. We just knew this isn't, something's not right. 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 And, you know, I remember those first maybe couple hours where you're wa- watching and rewatching the video that's coming out of New York. Well, you're watching one of the towers get hit by, by an a airplane. Plane. And the first thought was, wow, they went off course. How right. did that happen? That's a bad pilot. That's a really yeah. bad pilot, mm-hmm. right? You're like, like, how could that have happened? Right. And then the Pentagon. Yeah. Then we hear about the field. And again, we're not trying to bring this up because we're trying to make people sad or depressed or we're we're trying to like dwell on something negative but i think for me when you asked me to watch that show worth it's probably the first time in quite a few years that i have literally put my head and wrapped my head back around that whole experience yeah which was 911 and and to be honest with you i think we always remember significant things and where we were i mean Think about some of the things in history that I can tell you where I was, you know, when, well, when they walked on the moon, I was literally, I remember sitting in my grandma's house. Oh, really? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Watching it, eating a fudge sickle. Oh, of course. I might have yeah, yes. not been eating that, but it usually was. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like Apollo landing or the, the Apollo 13 debacle. All of these things, we have these recollections in our mind but we have a new generation that's coming up that does not have any recollection of this. My kids, I didn't have a chance to ask them what they do remember about 9-11. Mm-hmm. I think that their response, if I can just probably interject on their behalf, would be whatever they've learned in school from mm-hmm. that time. Because they don't remember, and they even if they did remember a little bit, they wouldn't remember the the significance of that feeling as adults or as somebody who can comprehend it how did you what how did you feel when we realize when you realized what was happening it was it was horrible probably like most americans totally helpless but um i did go into work i met my producer and um my co-anchor there and and everybody just sort of slowly kind of sauntered in like they everyone got there within a a realistic amount of time i don't mean to make it sound like we all just took our time but there wasn't really a phone call out to say, hey, all hands on deck. We just knew. So being on this coast, we had a little bit different uh, vantage point about it. So we sent <clears throat> reporters out to John Wayne Airport So and decided to start covering what would be known as soft targets, uh, maybe schools, malls, that type of thing. Um, trying because we didn't know. We I didn't mean, know what was happening. We didn't know what was happening. And I remember we did send my, I, we sent our kids to school mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor across the street did not. She is, she was a DA at the time and she was, she was scared. She's like, no, it could happen. And my feeling was, first of all, I wanted them gone. I wanted them at school. You wanted the kids gone? <laughs> <laughs> Priorities, mom. No matter what, they're going to school. <laughs> right. But I also felt, honestly, I remember having this conversation with myself, which was, if this is really what we think it is, they can't win. We have to keep going. 
we have to keep going on with our lives right now. We cannot be afraid and be stuck in our homes where we cower to this. Now, if someone said, you know, Red Hill School is a target, obviously I wouldn't have sent my son. No, of course not. And daughter there. <laughs> but if if it's just by chance, we as Americans, I felt like we cannot just give in to what this is. But that must have come later in the day or the next day when all the pieces sort of fell into right. place and we realized what it was. Right. When it was actually happening... There's a documentary on right now. It's on Apple Plus. It's called 9-11 Inside the President's War Room. And that's what kind of first got me started because it's actually edited together video of the real-time experience on behalf of the White House and mostly President Bush and what he was doing and then sort of behind the scenes of the information they were getting. And he sort of experienced it just like the rest of America. It was like, hey, America's under attack. He's at an elementary school somewhere in Florida with little kids reading. And his chief of staff or someone says to him in the ear, America's under attack, and then walks away. And he had to sit there. And he didn't have to sit there. But, you know, now that we've got 20 years under our belt and we can look back on it, that was probably the right thing to do instead of hopping up and making a, you know, a, a big deal about it in the moment not 100% knowing what was happening anyway that documentary I think really did a good job of showing um, sort of the peeling away of understanding what was actually happening that day through the eyes of the White House and it talks in the in, in this documentary they interview Condoleezza Rice mm. they got President Bush on there and they their current interviews and it's kind of amazing, and it really took me back to that initial panic of what is actually happening right now. And let me just say, before we move on, the, I remember a lot of really terrific things about that day as far as people coming together. We had um, a Muslim leader from Orange County come in and speak with us, and he didn't have to do that. He didn't know what he was getting when he came in. We could have been just complete jerks when we figured out that this was uh, Al-Qaeda and that there was a terrorist attack that was actually happening and the people who were behind it. This man came in and sat down and, and spoke with us for several hours off and on. We would cut in to programming with these little news segments that we were doing, and we would talk to him. And he was very earnestly trying to make some sense of it as well. So there were a lot of really eye-opening things that were happening on that day. But the one thing that I remember most clearly when this talks to who I am as a person we were getting information in about what's closing, what's happening. They shut down the airport. All flights were stranded. My brother-in-law was flying in from Salt Lake City to Orange County, and he called us from Las Vegas and said, they, they grounded my plane. What is happening? So things like that were going on. We're getting little bits of information happening here and there. And then we found out that the Nordstrom at South Coast Plaza. <laughs> no. No. They called down from <laughs> Seattle. The headquarters, HQ, called down and said, we are shutting down all of our stores at every mall, all the standalones. We are closing them down. We want our people to go home and we will we'll reconnoiter, figure out what we're doing tomorrow or the next day. But right now, it's imperative that everybody get home. And after that, South Coast Plaza said, we're shutting the whole so when down. you heard that the mall shut down... I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> That's a first sign when Nordstrom's cannot accommodate you on any given day. 
we have a problem. I thought that was, I, this sounds dumb. I thought that was very brave, though, of a major retailer to At the be, time. Oh, now it's, it's no big deal. Now this would happen all the time. What, to shut down? Oh, well, after, look at what we've just been oh, well, through. That's true. Everyone shuts down that's for everything. That's a really good point. I mean, look what happened to South Coast Plaza. For those of you who don't know, if you're ever in Orange County, it's either, you either go up to Beverly Hills or you go to South Coast Plaza. If you want to see the lifestyles of the rich and famous, just go over there and see. They have every store known to man that nobody can really afford, but everyone likes to look in the window. Go there. When we had the shutdown here with with Antifa and all of the BLM issues and all the attacks, they had armed guards in front of South Coast Plaza because they got raided. I mean, they got completely, you know. Well, this was 9-11. Yeah. 2001 was probably the first time in reality that that had happened. And it just gave me pause because I was like, oh, this is, first of all, I, I why? And then what do they know? That you don't know. That I don't know. Are As they, a reporter. Are they acting in fear? No. They're acting judiciously for their people. They, they cared about their people yeah. enough to send them home to be with their families, That's probably. Because right. when you don't know what's going to happen, you may as well just think the worst and go with that. Well, also, you know, now looking back, always hindsight is twenty twenty. But right. you look back on that 9-11 experience has literally changed the trajectory of America. We are no longer the same people. First of all, we have a view of the world that's completely, we, we didn't realize what we, we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. And part of being Americans is we don't really care about other people, it feels like sometimes, right? Like mm. whatever doesn't happen in our own area or in our own country doesn't seem as that significant. Mm. If you've traveled or if you've had any experience with our kids have gone on missions, foreign missions, we've traveled somewhat extensively. So we've seen a lot of the world. If you have not, you don't understand that there's so many different people out there with so many different beliefs and so many different ideals that do not align with what we believe in. But that's the truth. And that is literally what, if, if you could summarize anything, 9-11 was about a group of people that doesn't, don't like us, right? They don't like what we stand for. Did you know that it was not the first, 9-11 was not the first attack on the World Trade Center? Mm-hmm. I didn't I did know, that. know that. My husband and I used to stay at that Marriott that was at the World Trade Center um, down there on Wall Street in the financial district. And we had been to New York for something, for fun. And the week after we left, that area was was bombed it killed how many people it said it it was in february of 1993 and it killed three uh, six people mm-hmm. six people i had no, i didn't if i re, if i i don't recall that i'm sure mm-hmm. it was reported and i'm sure whatever but it's it, it wasn't, wasn't given the attention that it maybe should have because it was the same this was the same group sure it was the same um theological group who did it right so so for those of you who might have forgotten, and one of the reasons that Anne and I wanted to talk about this more extensively was because, again, we have people listening that we know are a generation removed from this that might not understand the significance or why we say that it really changed the trajectory and mindset of America. We no longer are 
that innocent there it, something was taken that day from me at least and Absolutely. i think it was taken from most americans that day which was a sense of safety mm-hmm. a sense of thinking that everyone thought the way we do right everyone thinks we're great well even if they don't they're certainly not going to attack us because of it right how could that happen i mean why why yeah. right exactly yeah um and we wanted just to shed light enough so that we don't forget because i think honestly 10 years ago i i thought this pretty significantly at the 10-year anniversary we already saw people not responding to this type of thing in the in the in memoriam in memoriam mm-hmm. That's right. of what was going on in a very practical way i mean it's kind of like brushed under the rug or as a society we just forgot those first few years after uh, september 11th there was a lot of never forget on posters and um bumper stickers you know there was a lot of that and denise and i got to talking about it in in talking about some of these movies that i'd seen etc that let's talk about how to never forget because i feel like like denise just said we're kind of forgetting this is we're a generation now we're 20 years we're a generation away from it and there's not that same push now that might have a lot to do with the fact that life is complicated there is a lot to be concerned about on a day-to-day a lot more than it was a lot more than there ever was so i get it but at the same time how do we how do we never forget how do we keep that mindset of just not forgetting, remembering the sacrifices that people made and the li- the lives that were lost and the, the the amazing things that people did on that day. Because with every tragedy are these great stories of heroes that I can't get enough of. Well, and we shouldn't. No. We should never. Those are the people we should never forget. First of all, let's just recap a little bit. Nearly 3,000 people were killed mm-hmm. on that, either between the Twin Towers or the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And uh, the field. And the field. In Pennsylvania. And, yep. That's right. Other other, um, other, 400 of those people, out, out of all of those people, 400 were police officers and firefighters, which we are a family of firefighters. There's mm-hmm. my cousin's husband is a firefighter. My husband's uncles were firefighters. And during that time, all you could think of was personalizing that if that was my family, if that was my, who I needed to support anybody in that area had to go in there and do that that's the job that's the job Mm -hmm. and you know it's just almost unbearable to think that those people who lost their lives they went in there because that was their job Mm -hmm. and they didn't even think twice about it no that's 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 why they're firefighters that's why they're cops that's why they're but you always think about it because you think about firefighters they they might put out a house fire. They might be going sure. to get a cat. Yeah, you know? I mean, absolutely. I don't know what they do. You know, yeah, I, mean, I know what they do. But the days can be boring. The days can be long. <laughs> the days are not always eventful. No, but this was above and beyond like putting out a fire at a, an apartment building. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like next level of unbelievable. And what's even more important to remember is that the people who went in and who didn't lose their lives, many, many of them had underlying health problems and died early from those underlying health problems from what they were exposed to with all the ash the inhaling inhaling asbestos whatever it was that Mm -hmm. they found all the chemicals that were going off on there it was unbelievable let Uh, me let me just interject here we do talk 
uh, when I'm teaching my writing class about um, September 11th. We spent an entire lesson discussing it and how to cover that type of event. It's impossible to cover in, in one. There should be an entire semester. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to cover an event that is just unfolding and it's very traumatic and you're personally involved. It's, it's, it's difficult. But one of the things that I, that I talk about is the death certificates of those who died that day. You said there were close to 3,000 people, mm-hmm. right? Every one of them, you have to list a cause of death and every one of them is homicide. Is that what it was under? Absolutely. Not because terrorist attack or... It, it was a murder. I know. So, and I, I did not know that until many years later when I was doing research on how to, you know, I'm trying to give a, a, trying to teach Chapman students about how to, you know, report appropriately on something like this. And I, that caught my eye and it, it kind of gave me chills. It still sort of does. It gives me yeah. weird chills because it was a murder. It yeah. was a mass murder. murder. And I'm happy that that, that's on paper that will never be forgotten those people were murdered and it will forever be in black and white on their death certificates that is that's really sombering honestly it really is yeah it really is so just to give you the magnitude of three thousand people died while we were watching the show worth my husband and i we talked about this and when i looked up this fact i thought it was interesting because it could have been a lot worse I mean, oh. if you've ever been to Manhattan, it's it's a condensed version on steroids of everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Of any kind of people, of a lot of people, of a lot of buildings. And just to give you a little bit, just to remind everybody, on any given workday, up to 50,000 employees worked at the World Trade Center Twin Towers. 50,000. 50,000? Mm, 50, yeah. In both those buildings mm-hmm. combined? Okay. And an additional 40,000 passed through the complex yeah because there was there's a big um there was a subway stop underneath so you've got people going through there not stopping but having to go through just that area alone on any given day i mean ninety thousand people yeah that is um that's unimaginable actually Mm -hmm. us living in this suburbs of orange county yeah and if you've ever been to a really bustling city now, again, going back to what we just talked about, that we'll never be the same. When I've gone to New York with you, mm-hmm. and we actually have visited the memorial, the memorial a Trade. couple times, mm-hmm. and it's really amazing. I always think, I'm on the subway. What if we get attacked? I mean, I literally go through that when I'm there. Like, what would I do right now if... Imagine having to live with... Imagine you're a New Yorker, and you live with that every day. Talk about PTSD. I know. I, I mean, mean, that's You crazy. were in a building close by. It mean, it... It blew out windows yes, for miles. It did. Right? And it, I mean, just just the sheer having to be reminded of that on a daily basis would be almost unbearable, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Something else. Passengers aboard United Flight 93 heard about the previous airplane attacks and attempted to retake control of the plane from the hijackers. Remember, We remember mm-hmm. that, right? People were hearing about this. They called their families mm-hmm. to, to say goodbye or to right. tell them what was going on. And as a result, the hijackers deliberately crashed the plane in the Pennsylvania field instead of the target that they were going for. Which they suspect was either the Capitol or the White House. That's correct. Those guys, those people that overtook those terrorists on that plane are heroes. That's right. 
Um, it says that while a video accounts of the World Trade Center attack aired immediately, no video footage of the Pentagon attack was aired until 2006, which I didn't realize. I, I'm now I'm trying to think. Well, okay, do we know why? Because it's Pentagon? Because it's our military arm? I, I I'm assuming. I'm That's assuming. interesting. I, I, you know, it all becomes a blur now mm-hmm. and you don't remember when the information actually came in. You just know that you have it. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. It, it also says that the world, the attack on the World Trade Center on 9-11 resulted in the largest loss of life by any foreign attack on American soil. Correct. So it bypassed uh, Pearl Harbor. That's right. Yeah. It bypassed Pearl Harbor. One of the, just on what we were talking about before about PTSD, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, and... 9-11 we were just talking about how can you can imagine even if you weren't right there at the thick of it just yeah. being around it would be very traumatic but they said that the respiratory problems like asthma and lung inf- inflammation also developed at abnormal rates for those in and around the world trade center during those attacks and sure. after well, if you look at the video especially from that uh, documentary that i was just talking about there's some video that i have never seen before and I don't think it's because it hasn't been released. It's just that there were a lot of people with their phones out and taking video. And, and now, you know, we all get a hold of it eventually. But there were some angles that I had never seen mm-hmm. before. And just the dust cloud coming up those streets of Manhattan once the second tower went down mm-hmm. is, I don't know how you escape it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So the, the documentary that you were... The documentary that I watched, yeah. Yeah, I need to watch it. Yeah, no, you do need to watch that. And I would say, we're going to put a link to it on our Instagram and our Facebook. It is Apple Plus, which I don't have. It's Apple Plus, so it's one more platform you have to invest in. But, you know, I've watched a ton of stuff on Apple Plus. I'm not plugging them. They're not underwriting us in any way unless they would like to contact us and underwrite us. But I'm sure that's what they're going to do. <laughs> I've watched a lot on Apple Plus, and they have a lot of... Um, stuff that they produce kind of in-house and and it was it was excellent as i said the movie worth though um it's michael keaton and stanley tucci and the premise is michael keaton is an attorney he's based in dc and he is in charge of the fund well uh, let me let me just inter, inter- interrupt yes, you interject with just, please i'll interject that's yes. better mm-hmm. that sounds way better than interrupting <laughs> in 2019 the u.s senate passed a bill ensuring that a fund to compensate victims of the september 11th attacks never runs out of money mm. and that first responders won't have to return to congress to plead for more funding oh good. so what what that means which is just a few years ago that they re-upped it mm-hmm. but at the beginning of all of this mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, and this is the whole premise of the movie. It has to do with this fund, this special yeah. fund that was set up. It's called the September 11th Victim Compensation Fund, and it's not uncommon that you know a fund like that would be set up. But Michael Keaton's character plays the real life character that was actually in charge of distributing those funds, and you know you have to put together a team of people who will go around and interview the survivors and you have to get the information who was this person how much did they make how, how many kids that kind of thing. it's it's ugly work so it's not when, pretty when ann told me to watch it she goes i don't know if you should watch it again <laughs> she likes to preface those things because she knows my personality is if you tell me not to do something i'm sure gonna go turn it the, on the, the tv gets turned on immediately i was like running <laughs> to the house i gotta watch this ann said i shouldn't watch it <laughs> 
but she didn't think I'd watch it because she knows I pull my hair out at bureaucracy yes. and about because of my work I'm in Sacramento or around Sacramento politics and the things that go on and we've we've had podcasts about that and it is frustrating for me I I was expecting something that I I expected to be frustrated which I wasn't actually even frustrated oh you weren't I really wasn't okay. I wasn't one of the things that um the the gentleman who Michael Keaton plays his name is Kenneth Feinberg mm-hmm. and um he wrote a book and that's what that's this what this is based. what this movie is about mm-hmm. he wrote his the book because he was the special master they called that's him the title? special master okay which when they were saying this in the in the movie mm-hmm. I looked it up and it they weren't just calling him special master because he demanded people call him that. That was actually what he was appointed. Okay. Um, the the movie starts out, and I think it is what sets the tone, which is specific interviews. And I don't, they are with actors, I'm yeah. assuming. They aren't with real people, but I believe they are. They're based on Based on, and it says interviews. it's based on the real interviews. So these people are talking in the present tense like it's just happened to them and their loved one is no longer with them mm-hmm. and they're describing the pain and anguish that they're feeling because of what's happened and that set the tone for me for what this was worth and what this was about and the one thing that it says in that it says what is life worth we don't like to think as as human beings and in our own little worlds we don't like to think that human life has a price mm-hmm this movie teaches us otherwise. There is, unfortunately, a need to put a price on human life. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to wrap your head around. And yeah. this movie, though, addresses it in a way that I think is really lovely. At, at the end, I'm, I don't want to spoiler it or anything like that. But go, go watch it. Just knowing the reason I watched it is because I had read all the criticisms about it. Yeah, I didn't. I again, I. I never, I don't pay attention to television very often mm-hmm. or even. She takes all of her TV and movie advice straight from me. I, it's amazing. It's really unfortunate. She doesn't steer me wrong <laughs> most of the time. And in this case, she did not steer me wrong. There was a lot of criticism about this movie and how distasteful it was and how it was disrespectful, la, la, la. Lots of things being said. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Again, the reason you watched it was because someone said you shouldn't. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and then I looked that it. I looked and saw that it had Michael Keaton, whom I love, and then Stanley Tucci, who I love even more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, if these guys are in it, I'll, it's it's at least worth watching, whether or not I agree with the premise or whatever. I didn't realize exactly what I was getting myself into. And after watching it, now I'm really glad that I did. So I would recommend watching it and just knowing that. There is some bureaucracy in there that wasn't that wasn't upsetting to you. I don't want to give away anything yeah. or spoiler it for anybody. Well, I, I guess it wasn't. I was not frustrated by it mm-hmm. the way I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was disgusted. By yeah. It. Yes. Yes. Disgusted. That's the word. You're looking at these people going. This was an actual conversation, and I know this is a conversation that happens even now about things that are even related to 9/11. And these people are talking about, they are making decisions based on where they are at in the election cycle. And we can talk about that all day long, how that, of course we know that happens. But when you personalize it and go, wait a minute, they were deciding how much people were getting per life due to the events of September 11th based on the election cycle. No. You're not wrong. And and it's not a spoiler alert when we talk about what, why this happened. So... 
They were citing in the movie that 2,400 people died in Pearl Harbor, but most of those people were military. That's correct. This is the first time that we as civilians civilians Mm -hmm. had to quantify how bad this was and what it would mean to the survivors. The military took care of Pearl Harbor. Probably not the way they should have either. I can only imagine after seeing this. But they, when they were talking about this, Congress decided that they were going to, or the Senate, what the House, all the politicians decided they were going to make a fund because they knew right away. But the reason that they made it wasn't because, oh, we're such a good country and we're going to make sure our people are have what taken they need care of. taken mm-hmm. care of. That's not why. They did it because the airlines came to them and said, we are going to have a problem here if everybody decides. And at this time, literally, this is within, I would say, a couple days. Yeah, oh, this was immediate. Yeah, the airlines knew they were there was trouble. Part of it was, and my husband and I had this conversation during the, while we were watching it, and actually put it on pause, that the airlines went there and they said, you got to do something because if everyone goes and sues us, we will be out of business. Mm-hmm. We're going down. And the reality is when you look at this on the practical side, and that's this is the part where when she told me not to watch it, because I have been so jaded by politics in general, mm-hmm. and for anybody who thinks politics is about a bunch of people trying to do the right thing, I wish that were the case anymore because <laughs> that's not it. That's not been my experience in California anyway. Mm-hmm. But in this case... I believe that they did what they had to do, not because necessarily they were bailing out the airlines, but because we needed to have a precedent set. The reality of if we would have allowed it to go to court cases individually, could you imagine Mm -mm. tens of thousands of people going to court over this? Mm -mm. The amount of bureaucracy and time that it would have taken, no one would have gotten anything you know that the airlines would have fought their way to giving everybody zero. It would have gotten, there would have been, there would be nothing. And the airlines would be out of business. And my husband and I were talking about it. We couldn't have that. And mm-hmm. when you start looking at what air travel and shipping and commerce means to the United States of America, we could not have been without that. So on the practical standpoint, it was the right thing to do. What we're saying is the the movie is worth watching if you can slog through some of the hard parts to get to the end and realize that this is, you know, a good thing was probably done. I think that it's a must to see. I honestly do. I think I'm going to for sure watch what you suggested on Apple Plus. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, I'm going to say to everybody, you should watch the movie because it's a reminder of what could be. I think we, we've talked a little bit about, as a whole, what happened there. I want to just make some comments on some of the people that were significantly touched by the injustice of even this fund. In there, regards to the movie? In, in regards that, to the movie. That's when it came the reality, out. That's, okay. that, that what came out of it. First mm-hmm. of all, the firefighters. The firefighters, there's a scene with your person, Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Isn't he the brother of the firefighter? 
No, Stanley Tucci plays a different role. He's his wife was lost in in nine eleven. Oh, that's right. Okay, and he's yes. set up at sort of a nonprofit situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that guy was good too. He Who? made Tucci. Tucci. He was great. He's the best, and I love him too. Um, I don't know his name apparently, but I like him a lot. <laughs> um, the firefighters talking about it, and the firefighter brings to light something. And I think because my fi- family has firefighters involved. It, it really stuck with me and I wrote down notes about it because they said something that was, I thought was unbelievable. And I, I, I remember that this was brought out when the firefighters were all talking. We realized how little firefighters were paid yeah. in New York City. Oh my gosh. It's I mean, criminal. It was criminal compared yeah. to what our firefighters in California were paid. It is unbelievable for as dangerous as they are going up into high rises. The, so so the brother is t- talking about it to the fund, to Ken Feinberg. And one of the things that he's begging him to do is to put in his report the faulty equipment oh, yeah. that these firefighters are have, have been dealing with and have known for years don't work properly. For example... They didn't have radios that worked in high-rise buildings. Which is, can you imagine? That's all that's there in New York. It's nothing but high-rises. You're going up on the 15th floor to address whatever's happening up there, and you can't talk to your guys on the ground? (gasps) No, it is. And then there was all of these other people that, in this fund, they weren't even going to give the money to the firefighters. I mean that survived they weren't talking about survivors oh right 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 yeah, that was a huge part of the movie it was yeah. a huge part mm-hmm. and and you start thinking about what we talked about between the the issues health issues and then the mental health issues mm-hmm. those things were significant so how do we move forward though how do we move forward without f- forgetting well i i think when you and i we went to we went about nine years ago that's the last time i've been to New York, mm-hmm. but you and I went there for a long weekend, mm-hmm. and we went to the memorial, and we had a great experience at that memorial, and we took home some pictures, and we wrote down some stories. If you haven't been to Manhattan, I guess go. now's not the time to go, but well. <laughs> as soon as things start settling down, hopefully soon, you have to go visit that memorial, and it is a beautiful tribute and take the tour if you, if they still offer it because that's what we did and it, we had we were we actually were on a tour with a ex police officer mm-hmm. who was part of the rescue effort, the effort mm-hmm. during 911 so his perspective was amazing he's just a volunteer and he was older but hopefully they still have people who can perpetuate that type of feel but he showed us something that I thought was hopeful. He showed us, he was terrific. I forgot that that's who gave us that tour. He was, I don't know, he was terrific. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things at that memorial. It's, you know, it's not a, a light moment. Be prepared if you're going to take that tour and walk around that memorial. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's a little, you get a little deep. It's definitely worth going and taking the tour. If you don't take the tour, at least walk around and get a sense of, what's going on down there there is a tree there however now think of the devastation that you saw in all the video all of the you know the rubble that it took months upon months it was burning for forever and and just like it's just the most horrible heap of 
You thought nothing could survive. I mean, no, literally. How does anything survive that? Well, guess what? Something did. So there is a tree. Amidst all of the rubble and the destruction, there was a tree that survived all of that. It's a calorie pear tree. And it became known as the survivor tree. And um, what happened was the, the roots snapped on this tree and the the branches were all broken but the tree was removed from the rubble and it didn't i mean it wasn't looking great but whoever removed it put it in the care of the new york city department of parks and recreation and there it was able to rehabilitate itself with i'm sure a lot of love and you know whatever you do to a tree to help it i I can barely water a plant i don't know (laughs) don't ask us we (laughs) we have faux plants no it's all fake around here at least at my house um it recovered and they rehabilitated it and then they returned it to the 9-11 memorial site in 2010 that's where they put it it's there you can't miss it so it was nine years old it was nine years after Yes, nine years after the attacks, it was uh, replaced back at the memorial. Um, It's got new limbs that are extending out of the gnarled stumps. It's not a pretty tree by any means. Um, It's got a little fence around it. People leave things by it um, as, you know, memory and commemorate, whatever. But it is still alive and it's a symbol of survival, of resilience, of rebirth. It is absolutely i think one of the best parts of that whole memorial you want i can i can probably top it not oh. not that it's better than you're that you're gonna top my survivor tree well it, it is from the rubble and from it, it's like it keeps on giving that it's like the giving tree yeah right <laughs> shell silverstein shell silverstein's <laughs> giving tree it yeah. really is because there's something called the um survivor tree seedling program that was launched in 2013. Okay. And it is, it, it partnered with um, the Bartlett Tree Experts of Stanford, Connecticut. And what they do is they give the, they choose three communities that have survived or done something, had something traumatic happen in their communities. Mm-hmm. They give them seedlings from this tree Mm-mm. so that they can replant in their communities as a as a symbol of hope mm. and continued growth right what does a tree represent it represents this strength mm-hmm. it represents this continued you know fight right. it does all of these things for example if, if any we'll put this on the um on the uh, episode as well but each year the 9-11 memorial gives memorial gives seedlings from the survivor tree to three communities that have endured tragedy in recent years and so for example in um 2020 the bahamas had a devastating hurricane dorian dorian which killed 70 people they gave it to them Christchurch, the site of the mass shooting which killed 51 people oh so they probably sent seedlings also to las vegas after the uh after the shooting, right? 2019. So it's that kind of thing. Where that a they gunman are. killed 58 people and injured 400 more okay. on Route 91 Harvest Festival in I October of 2017. Yeah. So they sent, and it said sent, seedlings were do- also do- donated to five hospitals throughout New York City, of, of New York City's five boroughs, in honor of the healthcare workers responding to the health crisis oh. this last during the pandemic. So if there's any kind of hope, it would be. The visual is that tree, 
Yeah. And for me, I need that. I need that reminder that hard things are happening, but I can survive it. Yeah. I I, I mean, I think if 9-11 represents nothing else, that that is certainly it. I still want to get back to, though, not not forgetting and this generation not forgetting what happened, what we went through, how we came together, um, you know, during what was the worst time in American history. Uh, you know, I guess that's all relative, but from my point of view, it was the worst time in American history. I had a student, I always ask my students, um, where were you on September 11th? And as the years go by, less and less were born. Right. Right. So a few years ago, a young lady raised her hand and she said, well, I was, I was three, but I do remember she was at a preschool. She was at her preschool and the teacher said, okay, everybody out, we're going outside. And the preschool was connected to a big kid's school. I don't know if it was elementary or whatever, but there were big kids at the school next door and they got to go over to the big kids football field. Um, and they all sat in a circle. This is was her point of view of the whole thing. It was so fun. They all sat in a circle, everybody facing in, and they all got juice boxes, and there were special snacks that came out from the big kids' cafeteria. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a great day. She said it was just like so. They were evacuating them to the field. That's what ended up happening. They evacuated mm-hmm. them to the field, and she said she remembered that. Then her teacher said, "Okay, everybody, um, we're gonna." we're done with school today all your moms and dads and your people who come pick you up are here to get you they had organized it behind the scenes so that the little kids didn't know and she said that she stood up and they were you know everybody get your buddy and they were gonna hold hands and walk out to the parking lot and when they went to walk out to the parking lot they were flanked by police officers (sighs) surrounding that field gives me the chills that was the first time that she'd even noticed and she said as a three-year-old i was like wait a minute there's something's not right why are there so many police officers standing and she said they weren't milling around they were standing like at attention guarding they were guarding them Mm. gives me chills just talking about she goes that was the only tip-off that she knew anything had happened that was all she knew and her family didn't even explain it to her until years later when she was old enough to sort of take in what were the events of September 11th. And then her parents were like, remember that day in preschool when you got to sit out in the field, crisscross applesauce and play games? No, that was September 11th. Mm. She was in school in Connecticut. That's where she was from. So it it, it was a big deal. Things like that and her telling the story, even though her connection to it was at such a young age and clearly she now hindsight there was she was in no danger but her reaction we didn't know know. no no (laughs) one we were all in danger as far as we were all concerned um her connection to it has led her to every year uh do something do something memorable uh a lot of the stories that she covered were about survivors not about necessarily 9-11 but she liked to cover things about victims of this and the survivor and she sort of had that sort of edge to her which i absolutely loved i'm not saying dedicate your life to to that type of thing that's not everybody's game but how do we continue to remember and not let this go by the wayside and just become you know another i don't know just an another page in our history book 
How Another do, tragedy. Uh, there's been so many since then. That's the problem. Well, that, that's the other thing. I mean, that I believe truly that 9-11 brought us together for a time. A few years, we were really all united in the same cause. Didn't we, matter your political viewpoint. We knew one thing. We were Americans. And we had had our livelihood and what we knew as our normal lives basically changed forever. And we were able to to hold on to that. I was hoping, and, and then as time went on, you know, we went back to normal, which is where you can say that people forgot. I was hoping that COVID, because here we are again, if you're going to take anything out of COVID, it might be that we come together on this. It's a pandemic. It's scary. We're all in this together. That was just a bunch of rhetoric to be honest with you because I b- truly believe that COVID hasn't brought us together it's made us worse I don't see anything positive coming out of that as far as human beings b- being better mm-hmm. I think 9-11 made us better for a long time and it changed me to be different in looking at the worldview and in looking at my own life mm-hmm. it, it changed that for me so I think that if you can take this time to reflect on 9-11 and I'm, I'm praying that nothing happens on Saturday because every time 9-11 comes around I get worried yep that's something I mean I don't want to fly on 9-11 I don't need to be at a big concert on 9-11 there's just no reason to do any of that and with everything that's happened as of late here and how we're handling Afghanistan I really give myself pause because I worry that we're going to have this experience again, unfortunately. Let's pray that that doesn't happen. But I think that if we can take anything away from this, it would be don't forget and be strong and and be good people to one another. Before we go, though, I want to leave you guys with a tag today. Uh, It's courtesy of Governor George Pataki from the great state of New York. And this actually is a quote that is on the wall of the subway that is underneath one World Trade Center, which is the new the new World Trade Center building down there. It says, on that terrible day, a nation became a neighborhood. All Americans became New Yorkers. I just want to get back to that feeling that I had post 9-11 of really truly being concerned about how everybody else is doing. Right. And I hope that I hope that, that continues and I hope that other people catch on to that and, and do the same because it was it was pretty remarkable there for a little while. And I, I I A hope that we always remember, never forget those who sacrificed their lives on nine eleven. But also remember that feeling of, hey, all we've got is each other and that's a that's a really good thing. Plant the seedling right absolutely and you can only do that by being kind to one another thanks for joining us this has been two average girls i'm ann police and i'm denise cooper be sure and rate review subscribe and follow and look us up on instagram and facebook two average girls podcasts and uh, give us a like talk to you later (laughs) 